0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith, from morality to spirituality, whether it's a question about everyday life or what we believe as Catholics. I am here to help you find answers. If you're a first-time listener, please be sure to follow our podcast. You can also hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.ascensionpress.com askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. Today, our question is going to be about working in a business that supports uh, abortion Whenever we work in a business that supports uh, abortion, uh, are we obligated as Catholics to find another place of employment? What does the church teach? What does Jesus Christ want us to do? Now, that's a great question. But before we get into that topic, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story this week, uh, man. I just I love being pastor at Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic Church in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Uh, you can definitely get plugged into the work that we're doing here in the Diocese if you want to support us. That would be great. We are trying to form disciples of all nations. We are trying to build a civilization of love. We just got the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament vagabonds coming. To our parish next summer, to work in the inner city, to work throughout the neighborhood of our community, to again accompany our youth in discipleship opportunities. And yeah, it's just, it's a great place. I absolutely love it. And this past Sunday at Mass, I shared with the congregation uh, just the fruit of my own prayer and being drawn to John 17. John 17 is the prayer of Jesus. And I encouraged and invited the parishioners as a homework assignment to, to go home on Saturday and on Sunday and to read the Gospel of John, chapter 17, and then to write it out. And when they wrote it out, I encouraged them to replace the words like them and they and those with, with their names. So it would say something like this. Jesus says to the Father this, Father, I pray, I pray not only for Josh, but for those who believe in me through Josh's words so that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given Josh the glory that you gave me so that Josh may be one as we are one, I and Josh and you and me, and Josh may be brought to perfection as one that the world may know that you sent me and that you loved Josh even as you loved me. Father, Josh is your gift to me. Do you you see how personal it has become? Listening to Jesus Christ pray for us directly, I wish that where I am, Josh may be with me, that Josh may see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and Josh knows that you sent me. I made it known to Josh your name, and I'll make it known that the love with which you love me may be in Josh. It's so much more personal. Oh my goodness, to listen to Jesus. So I encouraged my congregation to to read and then to write it out and to put their names in the text. And I've been getting so many text messages and emails and direct messages of my parishioners who've been doing this and who have been sharing with me just how powerful it has been for them to listen to Jesus pray for them. Ah, John 17 is such a powerful, powerful prayer of of our Savior. He prays for us. And if you want to like hear Jesus Christ pray for you, then I would encourage you this week as well to read John 17 and then to write it out yourself. And, and then every day, like spend 10 or 15 minutes reading out this prayer of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, praying for, for you. It's absolutely amazing. So that is my glory story. For this week, I'll, 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 no I'll add more. There's always more. So sometimes when I pray, like songs come to my mind, and I've shared this before because this happens often. This is one of my favorite songs. to Pray with Lauren Hill, uh, I think, and D'Angelo. Nothing even matters, cause nothing even matters, Hey, at all, a nothing even matters. It's on the Miseducation of Lauren Hill album, and. Whenever we perceive the the love of Jesus, whenever we hear Jesus say that we're a gift, like that's our identity. We're not to some of our mistakes and our failures. We're not to some of our success and achievements. When God the Father looks at us, he sees us as a gift, a gift that he chose to give to Jesus. Like that is our primary identity. We are gifts. And when we recognize that we are a gift, nothing matters. I don't need to perform anymore. I don't need your affirmation. I don't need your words of encouragement. I don't need to be seen and known by you. I don't need a place at your table at all. Because Jesus Christ said that, Father, I am a gift. I am a gift. From God the Father to Jesus. Well, like that's huge. He prayed, Father, that you love them the way you love me. Like if we receive the love of God, that's the love we were created for. All these finite loves, they're passing. Finite people come and go. But the love of God is, is infinite, and to receive that love is everything, everything. Uh, so, encouragement for you this week is to take time with the Word of God, right? right? If you've not prayed with the Word of God this week, please put down whatever book you're reading right now. I don't care which saint wrote it. If it is written just by a saint, it ain't fully infallible, right? Uh, it probably has some errors in there. If it's one of the spiritual writings from our great saints, they are good, but they are not always infallible. Read the word of God, the word Jesus Christ gave to us in scripture, John 17. It's transformative. Now, before we get to our question, I just want to encourage you to subscribe. Uh, if you like to receive show notes and any updates about the podcast, subscribe to my email list by texting "Ask AskFatherJosh, A-S-K-F-R-J-O-S-H, to three three seven seven. 7 again that's ask father josh to 33777 and with that let's go ahead and jump into today's show All right. This question comes in from Ryan. He writes this. Hey, Father Josh, thank you for taking the time to help me to discern what God is calling me to do moving forward in this situation. I work at a large bank and following the overturning of Roe v. Wade, they announced that they would now be covering travel expenses for employees to receive abortions if it is illegal in the employee's home state. I was very disappointed to hear this, and I'm deeply concerned about my employer contributing financially towards people receiving abortions. I've been struggling with discerning what moral capability I have in this situation as someone trying to live as a disciple of Jesus. Do I need to leave this company as a result of this policy? Unfortunately, it seems like most companies are adopting the same policy, so I'm concerned about the prospects of finding a job at an employer where where they do not have this policy. I want to live radically for Jesus. However, I also have to fulfill my duties as a husband and eventually as a father, God willing, and providing for my family. I feel stuck, and despite the joy of Roe V. Wade being overturned, I feel very discouraged about the situation. Any words of wisdom would be much appreciated in discerning what God is calling me to do, Ryan. Ryan, this is a, a really great, great question, and a really important question for the times that we're living in. Um, so I want to offer you some words of encouragement. First and foremost, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I will give you some principles for discernment in making your decision. The reality is this, brother. We live in a broken world, a broken world, with unjust practices, unwritten rules, and policies, written rules. And many of us, including many of the saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity, unfortunately have participated in some of these unjust practices and policies by cooperating with the evil structures and institutions, um, including St. John Paul II and, and Venerable Fulton Sheen and Servant of God, Thea Bowman. Like Many of our holy men and women who have preceded us lived in this broken world that we live in today. And so at some level, they, they cooperated with evil, evil structures. And not only did the saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity cooperate with unjust institutions, but so did our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. Because during his lifetime, Jesus had to pay taxes, and he paid taxes to Rome. And we all know that Rome used their money for some pretty corrupt things, including murder. And in fact, their money was used to pay the soldiers who murdered Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. So before I respond to your question with my tools for discernment, I do want to first and foremost just encourage you to pray about writing a letter to your employers. Sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And informing them of a different perspective can help them to potentially reform their unjust practices and policies. Um, this also happens in interpersonal relationships with people in our lives. Sometimes people in our lives are doing things that are not good for them or others, and they only change after a person who loves them and who cares for them approached them and challenge them and invited them to, to change, to repent, to believe in the gospel, to live a new way. So I just want to encourage you to pray about that. Like, is the Holy Spirit inviting you to be a John the Baptist in this situation? Is the Holy Spirit inviting you to go and be uh, a Nathan to David and inviting your employers uh, to, to potentially do something different with their money and their resources? Now to your question, can you, Ryan, in good conscience, work at this bank that supports Abortions, well, it depends. I wanna invite you and really all of our listeners to first ponder this question, do I support abortion? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is this, am I choosing to work at this bank or fill in the blank, any institution for our listeners because of its clear support of abortion? Again, if the answer is yes, then I am participating in what moral theologians call formal cooperation of evil. Former cooperating with evil is always sinful because we are intentionally helping to promote evil in our world. I work at this bank because this bank supports abortion. That's why I choose to work here because other banks don't support abortion. Because this one does support it, I'm going to work for this bank, right? I vote for this candidate because this candidate supports abortion, right? According to the Catholic Church, We should never choose formal cooperation with evil because it is always sinful. If you have time to read the documents from our shepherds in the United States, I would encourage you to read and pray using Lectio Divina. Again, there's four steps to Lectio. Read, what does it say? Meditate, what does it say to me? Pray, talk to Jesus about what it says to you. Contemplate, sit with Jesus. Use the steps of Lectio Divina to the USCCB document called Ethical and Religious Directives for Catholic Healthcare Services. You can just Google it, find it online, read a PDF version of it. Ryan, obviously your question makes it very clear that you are not violating the church's teachings and you are not participating in an action of formal cooperation. But what is more common for most of us who are trying to be intentional disciples of Jesus Christ, who are trying to make disciples of Jesus Christ, who are trying to build a civilization of love, is our participation in what is called material cooperation. And material cooperation is not always sinful for us, right? Uh, this happens when we disagree with practices, unwritten rules, and policies; written rules and any unjust choices that are, are being committed. Um, but in some way, we still contribute to their bad results. Again, this is what happened in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid taxes. His tax dollars were used by corrupt leaders in his in his time, and they did some pretty messed up things with his money that he gave to them. So it's important for us to discern is it is is it best for me and for my family that I use my time talents gifts and financial resources to participate in X Y or Z? Do I even have a choice of participating in X Y or Z? Because not every institution or system is unjust. So if an institution participates in unjust actions, then we are invited to use our reason to examine The good and the bad that might happen if we choose to participate in or choose to refrain from participating in uh, this particular organization or institution. So, Ryan, what are some of the goods for you in working at this seemingly, I guess it's a national bank? Number one, the dignity of work, right? Which is a good that, that God invited Adam and Eve to participate in, to do before they found a sin. Like before they sinned, they were called to work the land. So, so work is a preternatural uh, gift from God. It's something that we are called to do. It is a good, objectively, work is a good thing. Because you have this, this job, because you're able to work, you are able to earn what seems to be a just wage, and because you have a just wage and you um, are receiving insurance and benefits and retirement from your place of employment. You have the financial resources to pay your bills, to provide food for your families, to provide a roof over your wife, to provide for the future costs of Catholic education for your kids if they choose to go to Catholic schools, which if they do choose to go to a Catholic school, I would propose Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic Church and the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic School. And our diocese is one of the best Catholic schools in our community. Uh, We, again, are one of the only few schools that have sisters who work in the schools. We have mass every week and our students beginning next week will be going to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament once a week as well. So they're going to really come to know Jesus at this school. Cheap plug for my school, but I love it. So there you go. Uh, So number one, yeah, the dignity of work provides you with the capacity, the ability to um, provide financially for your family. um, And also use that your financial resources to support pro-life organizations like Women's New Life Center, uh, like the Sisters of Life and their apostles across the nation. Number two, the hours that you work at this particular job might help you to be more intentional with your primary vocation, which is with your wife, to be available to your Savior, Jesus Christ, in prayer. And so this this job that you currently work at might afford you the opportunity to get plugged into ministries in your parish, uh, to, again, continue the mission of Jesus, to do the work of God, to to form disciples uh, by your your local community that you live in. And then then finally, this place of employment is in the world. And of course, Vatican II, it calls lay people to go out in the world and to sanctify the world. And so you might be the only face of Jesus. You might be the only Bible that a person has ever read uh, your life in your secular institution that you work in. And so by you going out into the world and not being of the world, but, but by you going out into the world and, and sharing the joy of the gospel and inviting people to Bible study or inviting people to adoration or inviting your coworkers to RCAA or to missions or retreats or like acts or something like that, you might be a bridge for them to come to him. And so there are some potential goods that can happen from you in working in this particular place of employment. But at the same time, I would encourage you to also ponder these three questions as well. Do you even need to work there? At that particular bank, or are there other banks that can provide you with those same gifts that I previously mentioned without you working at this bank, which um, clearly supports um, abortion? Who working in this place have a negative effect on your soul? Uh, Will it foster mediocrity in your following of Jesus Christ and your discipleship? Sometimes whenever we hang around people who curse all the time, we start cursing. And sometimes when we hang around people who gossip, we start gossiping. And sometimes if we invest in a community uh, that clearly uh, supports things that we don't support over time, we might become a little bit more lukewarm. We might be a little bit more okay with things that previously we would have never been okay with. And so Will working there do that to your soul or will it remind you of your duty to to go out there and reform unjust practices and policies? Will it remind you of your call from from God to go out and make disciples of all nations in the secular world, to encounter people who don't know him and to share him with them? What will it be for you, right? Different people, it's different things. And finally, like, is your choice to work there? Is it going to foster disunity in the body of Christ? In John 17, which, again, I encourage all y'all to pray with at the beginning of the show, during my glorious story, Jesus Christ prays that all may be one. He desires unity. The devil wants disunity. And so are you able to make it clear with your brothers and sisters in Christ that that you do not support abortion and that you're working there for the reasons that you make clear that it's to support your family and to, to have you know time to, to to pray and to be with your wife and to be in the world and, and, and draw people to, to Jesus in the secular world or, or um, w- but will it cause this unity for people who are like working tirelessly to to end abortion in our nation and to to work toward making abortion even unthinkable for a person to even you know commit. Uh, you have to really begin to like pray with that. Like, okay, God, like, is there another option for me uh, when it comes to, to banking? Um, and if so, would that be best for me to become a saint in my walk toward eternity? I think if you reflect, Ryan, on these questions, uh, and if you read through the USCCB document, Ethical and Religious Directives for Catholic Healthcare, it will be a gift for you and your ongoing discernment. But just to be clear, uh, you are not formally cooperating with the sin of abortion uh, by working at that particular bank. Uh, So, Ryan, hopefully that was helpful, and hopefully it'll be a gift for you and your family as you discern how our Lord Jesus Christ is inviting you to be a radical disciple of him throughout your journey to becoming the saint that we know he wants you to be. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to uh, jump into our saints for the show today. Hi there, I'm Mark Hart. And I want to share with you an exciting new series called Venture, the Bible timeline for high school. Now, let's be honest. The Bible is easily the most confusing, most misunderstood book of all time. How do these random time periods, these random people, these random stories all fit together? And what do they mean for me and for my life? In this study, we're gonna take a journey through the basic story of scripture from Genesis through Revelation, so that by the end of it, teenagers will understand the big picture of salvation history. Because when we come to know the story, we come to know our place in the story. To find out more and get a free preview of this engaging new study, visit ascensionpress.com backslash venture. And we are back. Just a quick reminder, you can receive show notes and any updates about the podcast uh, by subscribing to our email list, by texting Ask Father Josh at 33777. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and on any other podcast formats that are out there. Uh, This helps other people to find out about the show. And if you comment and rate the show and review the show and share the show on your social media pages, this will also help other people find out about the show. So please do that so that the show could be a gift for them if it is, in fact, a gift for you. On today's show, we are going to not have one saint, but two saints. Actually, they're future saints. They're currently servants of God, and I, I picked them because they, they lived in the world. They lived in the world, and, uh, and the fruit of, of one of them remaining in a very messy environment was a transformation that happened in that environment, namely her marriage. So we're going to talk about Service of God, Cyprian and Daphros Rugamba uh, today. They are from Rwanda and they died recently. They died in 1994. So like in my lifetime, at least in, in some of your lifetimes, like these are modern brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are on the road to becoming uh, saints. So who are they? So Cyprian, the husband uh, in the marriage, uh, he was a, uh, a very successful man in, in Rwanda and he... Uh, at one point, he went to seminary. He felt called to be a priest, but he got to seminary, and the seminary was really broken. And he was scandalized by his experience in the seminary, so he left seminary formation and really struggled with his Catholic faith. But still, chose to get married in the Catholic Church, and then he got married. And his wife died. And so, when his wife died, he, uh, yeah, he just he really hated God. He ended up uh, marrying another woman who was a faithful Catholic. Her name was was Daphros. And uh, he was just miserable, and he treated her poorly, he treated her really bad. Uh, it was, I would say it was a very abusive relationship, but she stayed. And they eventually had uh, a number of children. I think they had nine kids eventually. But, yeah, he was anti-Catholic, anti-Christ, and, yeah, she suffered a lot. He cheated on her. She was a, a joke in the community. Uh, he mocked her faith. He broke crucifixes. But she never stopped praying for his conversion. She never stopped fasting for him. She never stopped trying to uh, be a bridge for him to come back to Jesus. Eventually, he got really sick, and he lost his ability to see and to, to hear, and he experienced other physical ailments. And during this time, this wife, who he treated like trash for all those years, stood there by his side. And she took care of him, and she was patient with him in his suffering, and she was kind to him, and she was gentle with him, and she she treated him with this radical love. And this really impacted him, like, why is she so good to me? And he knew it was coming from her her faith. And then while he was getting treated for his illness, he experienced a miraculous healing, and he was totally physically healed, and, and this led to him having a deeper conversion, and this led to him coming back to Christ and coming back to the Catholic Church, and he received the forgiveness of Christ in the sacrament of reconciliation, but he also received his wife's forgiveness and she continued to to walk with him. And then they they, they began to, to grow in holiness together now. So they were this holy couple who began to be a bridge for other people in their community to grow in their relationship with God as well. And so they joined the Emmanuel community in Rwanda and they... Yeah, they were just beautiful, and they were living in a broken world that had messed up practices and policies and a lot of um, ethnic uh, prejudices that were being committed in their community, but they stayed there. They remained there in the world uh, to to be loving, to be a source, to be a light in the darkness, and uh, yeah. And so they eventually were, were murdered, like, like Jesus Christ. They eventually were, were murdered after the Rwanda president was killed. We all know it happened, that terrible genocide in Rwanda. And when they heard of this news, they got their family together and they went to Jesus and they prayed before the presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. They ran to God. Uh, and uh, after they spent the night in prayer, a group of, of soldiers uh, came into their home and shot their tabernacle, shot the Eucharist, and of course asked them, are you Christians? And, and they replied, yes, uh, yes, we are Christian. And Cyprian and Daphros were murdered with a number of their kids as well. And now they are martyrs and they are servants of God. Uh, So I just, I want to share their story because I think their story is a witness to us of, yes. sometimes we are invited to imitate Jesus and like, enter into messy situations. Sometimes the Lord invites us to put up boundaries and to walk away from. So I'm not saying that if you're in a marriage where you're you're being uh, treated this way, that you need to just stay, that you can't separate from your partner. But I am saying that sometimes the Lord invites us to imitate Jesus and like he entered the mess of Calvary. He wasn't crucified between two golden candlesticks that were neat and beautiful on an altar. He was crucified between two messy thieves who at one point were both cursing him and mocking him. He was stripped naked. It was bloody. There was probably, yeah, poo-poo all over the place as well. I mean, it was dirty, it was messy, but that's the environment he chose to stay in, and because he chose to stay there, like, yeah, so much good came from that. And the same happened for Daphros, for her husband Cyprian, and for them. Uh, and the same can happen for us. Sometimes the Lord will call us, the Holy Spirit, if we're in prayer, we'll be able to discern if God is calling us to, to stay in a situation or to walk away and pray from a distance. But sometimes we might be called to enter into messy situations for the sake of salvation of souls and for the sake of reforming organizations and institutions and people who uh, are committing bad actions or who are upholding unjust practices and policies. So today we want to invite servants of God, Cyprian and Daphros Udgamba to pray for us. Until next time, I look forward to uh, praying for you and supporting you and accompanying you in your walk toward eternity and your journey to becoming the particular saints that God our Father desires for all of us to be. Deuces.